Children, you are dismissed to teach me to worship. And if you would, please turn your Bibles to Micah 3, and I think that's on page 777, which is a great number, and we should all remember that number. Yes, Micah 3, page 777, and I will ask everyone who is able and willing to please stand for the word of the Lord. Micah 3, verse 1, and I said, hear you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? You who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and slay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like, like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their their deeds evil. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing in their mouths. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you, without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who built Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give up judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in our midst? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the Lord a wooded height. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Where do you go for truth? What do you listen to to gain knowledge? What do you read if you if if you read? What do you read to gain insight? What do you watch to receive understanding? All of us gain knowledge, insight, and understanding in many different ways. If I want to know who won the basketball game last night, I pull out my phone, I go to ESPN, and I trust that they give me the truth. Although I didn't want to see the truth because Arkansas got embarrassed in basketball. But when I want to know the weather... I pull out the weather app, and I look at the forecast of what will happen. Now, you might use something better than the weather app, and I hope you do, because the weather app isn't that great. When you want news, where do you go? Do you get the Fayette Falcon? Do you turn on the radio or watch Channel 3 or Fox 13, the Daily Memphian, the Dispatch? Do you watch CNN or Fox News, NPR or BBC? Or do you just go straight to the source, to Facebook and Twitter? 
All of us have created habits of who we listen to all the time to gain truth. All of us have created this sense that these voices that we listen to tell us the truth. And we all have our opinions about who is true, and we definitely have our opinions about who is not true. We all have biases. We all have presuppositions. But what do we listen to when we want truth? Because everybody claims truth. They know what is right. They are the true truth. And whoever is selling you anything else is lying to you. You see, in Micah chapter 3, this is what he's addressing. He's addressing two positions. We saw this in verse 1, and we see it in verse 5. He's addressing the rulers, the kings, the leaders, the heads of the families, and he's addressing the prophets. Later, he's going to add a third group. But these rulers... These are the rulers who are supposed to shepherd God's people and to lead them in truth. They were supposed to embody everything that Israel was supposed to be. They were supposed to represent, to embody Yahweh, the God of truth. And they were supposed to be a beacon on a hill for all of the other nations to see we want to be like them because of their God. The kings were supposed to demonstrate the sovereign and just rule of Yahweh. The prophets were supposed to speak the word of Yahweh, the truth for the benefit of the people. And here's the irony. These leaders and prophets, they thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were doing really well because Israel was flourishing. The kingdom at this point was almost as big as it was during the days of David and Solomon. They had independence, both financially and from captivity from their neighbors. They were doing well spiritually. They had the temple in their midst. The priests and the Levites were ordering their worship. They thought they were leading justly. They thought they were speaking the truth. They thought they were communicating and worshiping and embodying Yahweh. But this is what Micah declares to them. You're doing everything but. You're doing everything but what you're supposed to be doing. And here's what's astonishing. Not only were they not doing what they were supposed to be doing, they were doing the opposite of what they were supposed to be doing. As Dominique Smart said, they were eating alive those placed under them that they were supposed to care for. God has directed Micah to speak to these leaders using some of the most graphic imagery that you'll find in all the scriptures to describe what they were doing to his people. And this is what God announces to them. Judgment is coming. 
condemnation is coming. And we should notice, this message isn't to the world. Micah isn't preaching to the Syrians or later to the Babylonians. This is God's people he is addressing. And I hope this causes you immediately to ask yourselves, how does something like this happen? These are God's people. They're supposed to retell the stories of God's redemption from them out of Egypt. These were the people who received covenant promises that God had given their forefathers. These were the people who had God's special revelation of who he is in the Torah. They were supposed to read it. And if you wonder why we've been reading so much out of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is their constitution. Deuteronomy 5, like we read last week, the Ten Commandments, that's their Bill of Rights. This is who they were. This is who established them as a people of God. They were supposed to live according to the word, live under God's sovereign rule to promote human flourishing for all people. They were supposed to be a kingdom of priests, established so that the nations would want to serve Yahweh. Remember, these societies, these small nations embodied their God. How well their society and kingdom did was supposed to be a representation of how big and great their God was. This is what Yahweh did to the Egyptians. You believe your gods can save you? I am Yahweh. I will save my people. This is how Yahweh proved that he was greater and mightier than the gods of the nations. And the world was supposed to look at these people and say, I want to worship their God, a God of justice and peace and righteousness and mercy. How does this happen? How do these people who are supposed to be worshiping Yahweh, how do they get this far away? They move away from the word of the Lord. They move away from the word of the Lord. And this is how we know this. In verse 1, this is what Micah says. Is it not for you to know justice? This is a rhetorical question. You should know justice. You should know what's in the law, but you don't. They have rejected their covenant obligation as the leaders of the people. Justice was supposed to be their defining characteristic. But this is how Micah describes them, the very first line of verse 2. You who hate the good... And love the evil. Dominic Smart, in his sermon on this, which is very good, says this. What happens when you hate something? Typically, you have a physical reaction to it. You see it or you hear it, and it just makes your blood boil. You begin to shake your whole person your emotions, your body, everything about you changes when you see something that you hate. The same way, or in, in, in actually a different way, what happens to you when you're in love? 
everything changes. Whoever it is or whatever it is, you can't get enough of it. You dedicate your life to it. Maybe it makes your palms sweat when they walk into a room. Maybe you see that thing or that person and your heart beats a little bit faster. One of the best images of this is look at a groom when the bride is coming down the aisle. Everything about them changes when they see the person that they love. But here's the reality for Israel. They've got everything backwards. They have become the opposite of what God has established them to be. When God says, look up, they look down. When God says, turn left, they turn right. When he says, stop, they just run faster. They have not followed the word that Moses gave them. They are not following the word which, at the same, just before this prophecy of Micah, that Amos proclaimed them. What do they do? Look at verse 9. You detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. These people, his people, not only had forgotten who God was, they were opposing who God was. And this is the graphic analogy that we see in verses 2 and 3. You who who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones into pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. This is how Micah metaphorically describes what the people are doing. They're treating the people of Israel like animals. They've become cannibals. The entire fabric of the social order is upside down, inside out, the complete opposite of who Yahweh has called them to be. The leaders were economically, socially, and religiously preying on the vulnerable and the weak. These leaders were either completely self-deceived or worse, they were purposefully and willingly opposed to the will and to the word of God. This is what the people of God, this is what these leaders of the people of God have become. And if you were here this morning, you, hear, you heard Bill talk about Isaiah 5, 20 to 21. And, what, and Isaiah, speaking this exact same time, says, woe to you. who love evil. This warning should come to us as a church. Nobody is immune. This is what happens when you forget Yahweh. This is what happens when you forget who he has revealed himself to be in his word. This is what happens when you don't know his word. You become opposed to Yahweh. These are real historical people. These are real leaders of God's people. In verse 11, these are the heads, the kings, the mediators of the Davidic covenant, judges. They're the priests, the religious leaders. 
the mediators of the Mosaic Covenant, the prophets, those who were sent by God to proclaim, thus saith the Lord, to bring people back to faithfulness. And this is what Micah says to them. You will be judged for your sin. These are the people that we also see in verse 11 that say, well, you know what? I go to church, so I'm good. These are the people that like to sing or at least stand while others are singing next to them, reciting prayers, confessing their sins, both corporate and individual, who hear the word read and preached, who come to the table, who receive the Lord's benediction, but as soon as they walk out these double doors, they go and serve their God which is nothing more than themselves. These are the people who assume that going through the motions, that God is going to be automatically be on their side. And a church can do this. Ordained ministers can do this. Elders and deacons can do this. Those who are supposed to embody justice and mercy, teach truth and grace, righteousness and freedom in Christ can do this. And guess what? You can do this too. And this is what Micah says will happen if you do this. Look at verse 4. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time, because they have made their deeds evil. Go down to verse 6 and 7. Therefore it shall be night to you, without vision and darkness to you, without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, the diviners put to shame. They shall cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. Micah is saying what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did, I, did we not prophesy in your name, casting out demons in your name, doing the mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. John says, sin is Lawlessness. You can go through the motions. You can use all the right words. You can proclaim faith. You can proclaim repentance. But if you do not follow Yahweh, you are doing evil. And what he did to the people during the Exodus will happen to you. They wanted their gods to save them. And when judgment comes, I'm going to let you rest in your God and see if your God will save you. And he won't. Because the God of your heart is not Yahweh. He will refuse those who do not repent of their sins. He will deny his presence, his benevolence, his help, his deliverance, and his peace and he will let them receive what their, cern, their sins rightly deserve. 
Because what these leaders didn't see is that they were no longer serving or worshiping Yahweh. They were serving and worshiping their own appetites. They had fabricated a God who worked on their terms. And so God let their own God, the God of their hearts, defend them when they would be in a time in need. And I don't want to have to make this connection. But has this happened to us? Are we a people who say we know what God's word is, and yet we do the opposite? Are we people who say that Yahweh is in our midst, but we act like we put him in the closet where he can't get out? Are we people that say that we follow him and teach his truth, but yet the only God that we worship is a truth that looks like us and talks like us and votes like us, likes what we like, stands for what we stand for, obeys the laws that we create? Or do we worship Yahweh, who he has revealed himself to be, who has revealed what he likes and what he doesn't? who has revealed to us what he stands for, what he loves, what he cherishes, who he saves. Do you live by God's laws and hear of his grace that he's provided for you? Or do you live based upon your own works and personal gain? These are what these three offices are doing. The kings, the prophets, and the priests. The heads of the household of Jacob. This is the type of city they are building out of iniquity, immorality, injustice, out of pure evil. They are building this city, which is supposed to be God's city, on evil. Are you building your lives upon financial statements? or political parties, or your identity that you project on social media, on future aspirations, on letters that come after your name. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Those things aren't necessarily bad, but if that's what you build your city upon, you are functioning as your own God. If you hope in those things, you're falling into a ditch. And God's going to lead you there and leave you there. Your bank statement will not save you when judgment comes. Your political party will not save you when judgment comes. Your pastor is not enough to save you. Your elders and deacons are not enough. Your hard work is not enough. Their hope was, un, with, was within themselves. But that's not where Micah told them to place their hope. The peace in which these false prophets were proclaiming were that. False. 
C.S. Lewis said, as God's people, we often are too easily pleased. We desire but crumbs in comparison to what we have promised in the Lord. God always promises to give his people far beyond what they ever could imagine. But if your hope is in yourself, you're selling yourself short because you have promises that God has given to you and that God has fulfilled. These prophets, priests, and kings were only interested in their own flourishing. They judged for a, pro- for a bribe. They taught for a price. They practiced for money. They were only offering themselves. And listen to what is going to happen to the city that they are building, to the society, to the fabric of who they are. Listen to what God is going to do to that city in verse 12. Therefore, because of you, Zion should be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooden height. If they're going to build a city upon bloodshed and iniquity, lies and transgressions, selling of God for their own possessions, the wickedness that is anything other than the goodness of God, what choice does he have then to tear it down? For Yahweh is a God of truth and righteousness and justice. If we build our lives on anything but Yahweh, he will tear it down. What else would the God of truth do than to stand for his righteousness? But listen to what Yahweh has to offer his people. In verse 8, he sends a prophet. He sends a prophet filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel its sin. Micah was different. Micah was different because he was filled with the power of God and didn't rely upon his own power. Micah was different because he was filled with the God's spirit, not with a spirit of bribery or injustice. Micah stood and contested to the rulers and the authority, the false prophets, the false priests, because he submitted himself to Yahweh. He yielded to everything that God asked him to do. He listened to his word, and he was overcome with the power of Yahweh. And we have someone greater than Micah. For Micah was a good prophet who came proclaiming, Thus saith the Lord. We have a greater prophet who came came proclaiming judgment upon sin, but mercy and grace if you repent and follow him by faith. We have a greater priest who did not sell salvation at your cost, but paid for your salvation by his own cost, and going to the cross and bearing your iniquity upon himself. We have a greater king, David's greater son, who loved to do the will of the Father. That's what made his heart beat, not boil. 
Jesus came proclaiming the good news for the poor, for the meek, for those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, not for those who sought after only their wealth, not for those who only sought after their own health, not for those that just thought church was enough, and not for those who thought their political leaders were enough, and definitely not those who thought their pastor was enough. He came for those who thought he was enough. For those who cried out in faith, knowing that they deserved anything but grace. But that's what we receive in Christ. Do you know what God loves? Turn in your bulletin to our call to worship. Do you know what our God loves? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does, not, and does no evil to his neighbor. This is a picture of Jesus. Church, our hope is Jesus. Our hope is not in our works. Our hope is in nothing that we can do. No society structure, no church structure. Our hope is in Jesus. And we have a great historical application of this text. Very quickly, everyone turn to Jeremiah chapter 26. It's on page 654 of the Pew Bible. Jeremiah 26, verses 18 and 19. Jeremiah 26, 18 and 19. Micah of Morshareth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and said to all the people of Judah, Thus says the Lord, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. Sound familiar? Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all of Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? Hezekiah heard these words of judgment, and he repented. He could have killed the prophet of God. But instead, he let the truth of God change who he was in everything that he did. Do you hate what God hates? And do you love what God loves? Do we hate our sin because it defiles everything about us? Are we using the word of God as our lens to see what truth really is? If you don't think you need Jesus, or you don't think that Jesus is enough, your sin has blinded you. And you've forgotten that the word of the Lord has come to you in Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. And this is why we come to this table. 
because we come to this table standing together and say, Jesus was enough for my sin. This table is the evidence that God fulfills his promises. His word has come to pass. Our iniquities and our, unjust, our iniquities and our sins were nailed to Jesus on the cross. Where do you go for truth? Do you go to Jesus? Do you go to the word of God? Because whatever you listen to, whatever you watch, whatever you read, shapes what you hate and shapes what you love. And the word of God points you to Jesus. To look on him by faith and to live and to love what he loves. To love the Lord his God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love his neighbor as himself. This is the truth of the gospel that gave everything for sinners like you and like me. Let us look to Jesus. Let's pray.